Well, good morning, church. Should I say, buenos días, hermanos y hermanas, amados de Dios, bienvenidos. Welcome to South Suburban. We're glad you're here. My name is Drew Collins. I'm the worship arts pastor at South Sub. Thank you for joining us today. And if you're listening on the podcast, thank you for listening. Uh, I want to begin this morning by saying that God loves you. He loves you right where you're at with all of your joys, with all of the sorrows that you're carrying, with, you know, if you walked in here and you're just a hot mess, you are known and loved by God. Amen? Now you're just going to have to live with that. Um, on Saturday, January 18th at 2.30 a.m., let that soak in. Our team set out for Puerto Rico. Now, I'll be honest, I don't know much, uh, I didn't know much about Puerto Rico before going. I've spent time in a handful of, of um, um, Latin cultures, but had not been to Puerto Rico. So I wasn't quite sure what to anticipate, what to expect. Um, needless to say, some education helped me prepare for the trip. And guess what? Now I'm going to share some of that knowledge with you. So welcome to your Puerto Rico pop quiz. Isn't this exciting? You didn't even know. All right. So check this out. Okay, check, look in the, 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 the gray in the upper left-hand corner. Do you see the edge of Florida there? Do you see my grandma wave? <laughs> okay, so this is a map of a chain of islands called the Greater Antilles. Okay? So here's the first question on our pop quiz. Um, is Puerto Rico A... B, C, D, or E? Which one? I'm so glad I wasn't the only one. All right, here you go. Let me give it away. Puerto Rico is E. Now, I got, I got my order mixed up in the last service, so they'll never let me live that down. But A is Cuba. B Jamaica, C is Haiti, D is the Dominican Republic, and E is Puerto Rico. All right, everybody uh, got it, got 100% so far? Okay, Puerto Rico is officially considered A, A, state, B, country, or C, commonwealth. What do you think? It is officially considered a commonwealth or a territory associated with the United States. As U.S. citizens, Puerto Ricans do not, A, pay taxes, B, vote for president, or C, serve in the armed forces. Which one? As U.S. citizens, Puerto Ricans pay taxes, they serve in the military, but they do not have the right to vote for president. Imagine how that would go over in Colorado. What identification is required to travel to Puerto Rico? Do you need A, a U.S. passport, B, a social security card, or C, a driver's license? C, a driver's license. It's a lot easier to go to Puerto Rico than you might imagine. Now, wasn't that fun? Don't you just feel like so much better informed already? Like just out of the gate? Um, So Puerto Rico is home to 3.2 million U.S. citizens. For comparison, Colorado has a population of about 7 million. 
okay? But size-wise, actual land, uh, you can fit 20 Puerto Ricos in Colorado. So they've got about half the population in, in a, in a, on an island that, if you imagine kind of the front range from about Longmont down to Colorado Springs, that's about the size of the entire island. So just this front range kind of metro corridor is the size of the whole island. Uh, it's a tropical climate situated in the Caribbean about 1,000 miles south of Miami. Now, there were 30 members from the central Rocky Mountain region of the Disciples of Christ who went on the trip, including 19 from South Sub, um, eight from other uh, Colorado DOC churches, including three pastors, uh, one from Wyoming, uh, our regional minister, Joanne Bell Haynes, and her sister, Rosalind. So there you go. That does it for the facts and the figures. Um, at the end of this morning's report, we're going to watch a recap video so that you can hear from some of the team members. But in view of the trip, there's a passage that I want to reflect on for just a few moments together. Um, one thing that I've seen our Latin brothers and sisters do when the Bible is read is they'll stand up for the hearing and the reading of God's word. And what, the reason they do that is as a sign of respect, recognizing that the presence of Christ himself is with us when the Bible is read. Um, and then there's also, a, there's also a response that we're going to practice. But we're going to practice it ahead of time so it doesn't catch you off guard when the scripture is read, okay? So as leader, I'll say, this is the word of the Lord. And then with gusto, you'll respond. All right, first service had you. I, I don't like doing the game show thing, but they really did beat you. Let's try it again. Here we go. This is the word of the Lord. That's starting to sound more like Broncos fans. Well done. Okay. All right. So now that we're practiced, um, I'm going to invite uh, uh, Bill Wallace. He was, he was one of the folks on the trip uh, to come and to, to read the passage for us. Okay. So let's, let's stand together. From the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verse 14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son sent from the Father, full of grace and truth. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. Well done. You can be seated. Thank you, Bill. This is a little bit different translation of that same passage. We're just going to look at the first line, or the first sentence, rather. The Word became a human being. That's Jesus. Jesus became a human being and lived here with us. That's a big deal. All of Christianity um, is tied up in that that Christ himself left his place of glory and made a home here with humanity. Now, that, that, that what it means is that when we needed a savior, Jesus showed up. Amen? Yeah. The fancy term for Jesus showing up is incarnation. Have you heard that word before? It's okay if you haven't. Incarnation, it literally means in the flesh. 
right? So it says that, that, that God became man. He, the, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Now, we, we use that phrase, right, in the flesh sometimes. Typically, it's at family reunions or during the holidays. Cousin Eddie, is that you? In the flesh. You surprised, Clark? <laughs> yeah, in the flesh means I showed up. I'm here. I'm here. Incarnation means Jesus showed up. Now, hang on to that idea for just a minute because I want to share something else, and it's this. We bear the image of God in our lives. In Genesis, it says uh, that, that when God created humanity, God said, now let's, let's make them in our image. Let's, let's give them our imprint. And let's do that so that who they are tells them something about who I am. So all of humanity was given this imprint of their creator, of God, okay? Now, I want to pause real quick. I just talked about incarnation from this passage and this idea that we bear the image of God. But what I want to avoid is conflating our going to Puerto Rico with Christ coming to earth. They're, they're different things, okay? We're not Jesus. We didn't go to Puerto Rico as their saviors. Make sense? Right? But because we bear the image of God, when we go, we're able to embody the way that Christ treated people. We're able to actually, in the flesh, serve people, care for them, love them the way that Christ would. Right? So there's power in this idea of, of incarnation, of actually showing up. And that's what the team experienced the entire week in Puerto Rico. See, they thought they'd gone to paint walls and to build beds. But the higher purpose that at times felt like it was just in the periphery was to simply show up. Okay, show of hands, how many of you like to get crap done? I mean, stuff done. <laughs> Believe me, I, um, I clean that up for this service. I'm fluent in several language, languages. One of them is profanity. Um, we like to get stuff done, right? Like whether we first make a, a checklist or a punch list and then, you know, just feel great about crossing things off, right? Life, life just is just good once you put a checkbox. You're like, okay, good, better. Um, we just like to get stuff done. And as a team, as a Puerto Rico team, we were ready. <laughs> I mean, when we, when we rolled into Puerto Rico, it was like a gringo tsunami. It just, it almost overwhelmed the island. It was really something. Um, but then we found out that really the work to be done was being present. Just showing up. Just showing up. Think about that. How hard do we make faith in Christianity and the spiritual life? Right? We can kind of get wrapped around the axle with all the details at times, right? And sometimes it's just as simple as showing up. Um, honestly, I think that this church will explode as we continue to become a people 
and a community who shows up, takes the time to get to know two or three other people here at the church so that everyone that's part of South Sub, when they face difficult times, they know they're not alone. They know that someone will show up. Now, isn't that work worth doing? And as my friend, as my friend, um, as my friend Bill says, and it's free and it's simple. We can do this. We can do this. What would this church be like if we said, hey, no one is going to come to South Sub without being known, and they're never going to be at a spot when they're in trouble that they feel like they're by themselves? Now, wouldn't you want to be part of that church? Yeah, me too. Guess what? We can be that church. We can be that church because that's important work. Now, uh, Pastor Raphael, he's the, he's the uh, lead pastor of Discipulos de Cristo in Sierra Linda. And he was the one who was overseeing the main project that we were taking part in from the Puerto Rican side. Pastor Raphael, a week ago today, um, the 30 of us were at his church attending the service, and it was incredible. Um, I was so impressed with, with that man. Uh, he, when he spoke, when he preached, I was, I was moved by how deeply he could feel and speak to the anxiety of his church. He looked them in the eye and he said, I see that you're nervous, and I feel it. Now, part of why they're nervous is because they're facing sustained ongoing trauma due to the earthquake and the aftershocks. Many are afraid to sleep in their homes, to go into a grocery store, to walk into their office building, to go to church because they're afraid that the structure might collapse. They're anxious about their immediate and extended families, their spouses, their kids, their babies, their aging parents, their aunts and uncles and cousins, significant others, their best friends. They're anxious for their safety. And I wonder for us this morning if we can relate. Have you found yourself in a situation where someone you loved was in trouble possibly facing danger, and you couldn't do anything about it. You ever been there? Can you relate to that? Well, I want to say, um, I want to I say this, that, that, that even as I, as I brought up that idea, some of you guys started to experience some of the physical responses of anxiety. Like, even in just recalling that situation, heart rate started to go up a little bit, blood pressure went up a little bit, you know? And maybe you feel a sensation in your chest or your stomach or something. It's ongoing sustained trauma that the people in Puerto Rico are facing. Um, and of course, we can relate. Why? Because it's part of the human condition, isn't it? Pastor Raphael, he went on to say, he said, we went through three phases collectively in our minds in the aftermath of Hurricane Maria, to speak nothing of the, of the recent earthquake, but he said, after Maria, there was kind of this collective 
um, thought process that took place in Puerto Rico. He said the first phase was help is coming. Someone will show up. Right? He said after a while, we moved to the next phase, which was no one cares. We're all alone. He said then as a people, we, we moved to the third phase, which was it's up to us. And again, I ask, have you ever been there? Well, I want to say a couple of things. First, the Puerto Rican people are incredibly warm. They are unbelievably resilient, and they are just out of this world warm, genuinely warm and welcoming people. Um, they're so proud of their island and of their culture. It, it, but I would say that, that in their pride, they're open-handed. They're very welcoming. It's, 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 it, they're like, hey, we're proud of who we are and we're proud of this island. Come. You're welcome here. We want you to experience it. It's that good. And I contrast that at times to sometimes in our culture, um, there's a sense of national pride, but it's, it's, it's demonstrated more as kind of a closed fist. <laughs> you know? Stay away, this is mine, I earned it. And what I wonder, for us as Christians, and as Christians first, is our first inclination to recognize Puerto Ricans as our brothers and sisters created in God's image? Or is our first inclination to see them as not from here? You can feel the difference, can't you? <laughs> you can feel the difference. As Christians, we're called to recognize and to call out and celebrate the fact that we're all made in God's image first. Right? Ever before we get into, into political leanings or, you know, the color of skin or any of those kinds of things... Christians are called to make the first assumption, which turns out to be correct, we're all made in the image of God. Therefore, we're family. Amen? Second thing, if you think about the thought process that they moved through those three stages, you might, you might, you might think, well, good, they're taking care of themselves as they should. They're, they're fixing problems at home the way they're supposed to. Well, there are a couple of unfortunate truisms that have been adopted into Christianity. Here's one of them. God helps those who, helps, who help themselves. Have we heard this before? Okay, Here, here's, here's another truism. Um, God will never give you more than you can handle. Um, here's just a little insight. Both of those are BS. They're not biblical, in case you're wondering. You will not find those in Scripture. And more than, more than not even being true to the, to the narrative of Christianity, they're, in fact, harmful. Because here's the thing. If you combine those kind of truisms into your thinking, you can sit really comfortably in your indifference 
And you can wind up with a perspective that's kind of like this. Well, even if their house was flooded and destroyed by a hurricane, well, even if their roof cracked because of the earthquake, God must know they can handle it. So they just need to get back on their feet. Whoops. That's not Christian. Those are truisms that kind of feel, in a sense, kind of feel right, but more of those end up being um, excuses to not care. And just so we know, the opposite of love is not hate. The opposite of love is indifference. It's indifference. Now, I'm not telling you, okay, we went to Puerto Rico. That means you all have to make Puerto Rico your number one thing. That's silly. You don't have to care about everything, and you can't. But in Jesus' name, you would better care about something. Amen? Amen. All right. Once again, let's bring this home. Can you think, like these folks are are dealing with um, the largest earthquake in living memory on the island. The last time they got hit with an earthquake this hard, it was 1913. So there's no living memory on the island of this type of event. And you can't plan for an earthquake the same way you can plan for a hurricane. Um, So let's bring this home. Can you think of a situation that was difficult that you only made it through because someone else showed up? When you were in need, someone showed up for you. I don't know if it was a, a marriage falling apart. Maybe it was, I mean, kind of like Chuck and Leela. Maybe it was like the worst nightmare phone call for parents. Um, maybe it was all of a sudden financial stability wasn't stable <laughs> or a doctor's appointment. But can you think of, of, a, of a difficult situation that you only made it through because someone showed up for you? We've all been in situations, haven't we, where there's, for which there's no playbook, no easy response, no ability to cope, no bootstraps to even pull up, no measure of confidence in the outcome, no other options, and at times, even no hope. Now, don't get Christian on me, church. Well, because of Jesus, we always have hope. Yeah, I know. And I've seen the Hallmark cards, and I've read that. And can we be honest enough with each other this morning to say, even in spite of that, sometimes we feel hopeless. Right? We've all been without hope. Christians and Buddhists and atheists and Patriots fans. <laughs> it's, it's just part of the human experience. It's part of the human experience. And I think there's something that goes a long way just to, to at least be honest about that. That, that in the midst of, of encouraging passages and scripture and holding on to truths, there are still times that we face struggle, right? Now, what happened with, with the Puerto Rico team is this. We recognized during the week that if we were going to fully participate in what God was doing, we would have to allow ourselves to pause from our work and take in what was before us. Sometimes it's easier and more comfortable to put together a bed than it is to sit with someone in their pain. Right? To keep our hands busy with this, because this is complex. 
and it gets messy, right? We needed to be vulnerable as a team, vulnerable enough to admit that though we can't fully relate to their circumstance, nor should we say that we can, (laughs) we can relate to those broken places in us that recognize the pain of feeling alone, that know what it is to be abandoned, that have felt the fear that settles in when we realize we have no control. Can you relate to that? All of the moments of joy and hope and celebration and renewed strength came as we bore witness to our shared humanity and to the image of God already within our Puerto Rican brothers and sisters. It brought us all joy and hope to be part of the same family. And so can you understand why the most consistent compliments we received all week were just about showing up? Thank you for coming. You gave us renewed strength. We, just, we needed to know that we weren't by ourselves. And in, in, in God's providence, like heaven forbid, we don't want there to be more earthquakes in Puerto Rico. But just the way circumstances turned out, we were on the ground one week after the biggest earthquake in living history for them, right? And it was such an encouragement that immediately there were people there. And and they said, thank you. Thank you for showing up. Thank you for being here. Thank you for being present in the flesh. (laughs) It's different than a text, you know, or giving the thumbs up on Facebook. What you said's real good, right? Face-to-face, that changes things, doesn't it? And that's what we found. Now, the, uh, the team didn't go without expectations, or didn't go with expectations of what we'd be doing. In fact, we had no idea. Sometimes day-to-day. Uh, but we did go expecting to work really hard. You know, we were geared up for that part. Whatever it was, we just assumed there'd be a good amount of physical labor required to do whatever we were assigned. But again, the most important work, as it turned out, was to simply be present. Showing up was our greatest work. It's almost as though the painting and the bed building were incidental. (laughs) We also did those things, but... We showed up. We showed up. That's the power of incarnation. And that's the power that the team experienced. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we've seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son sent from the father, full of grace and truth. Amen? Hey, you've heard from me, but now let's hear from some of the others who went on the trip. So let's roll the video. I think I went to Puerto Rico with no expectations and didn't really know what I would expect. When I got there, I think that I was somewhat surprised on the bus ride from the airport to the camp of how much it looked like home that uh, made me realize we weren't in a foreign country. We were with people just like us. Well, I didn't realize they're so strong in their faith. Uh, 
even with all the stuff that was going on. They're happy people, despite everything that's happened on that island. I learned that even three years later, the people live in fear and they're, they're scared to go home. Um, not a lot of hope. One thing that I was also impressed with was, was the level of anxiety and, and stress that they have to live with just from the series of disasters and, and a lot of other issues they're, they're dealing with in the country. I mean, they've got a lot of things that we don't have to worry about here. What was beautiful was how open they were to uh, receiving um, blessing, help, um, encouragement, prayer, everything. People were hugging us. They were in tears. We prayed over them. We gave them hugs. But that's all we did. And it was a very humbling experience for me to just realize that all you have to do is show someone you care. And it makes a world of difference to them. They showed us smiles and, and I think they were happy when they found out why we were there and they showed some hope there. Well, there were a lot of meaningful parts, a uh, whole lot. But one I'll choose here was uh, is an example of the generosity of this church is what uh, we called the bags for kids. It was a recommended thing that uh, uh, where you put uh, uh, band-aids and toothbrushes and toothpaste and you know personal items in there. Pretty soon we're at 50 bags and it was a lot larger than I thought. It was uh, four suitcases and a duffel bag to get it there. And I'm thinking, this is not a good, this is bigger than I wanted. And what if we don't run into any kids? And sure enough, the first three days, I didn't see any kids. Unbelievable. The fourth day, I know why God sent us there with those bags. We saw a bunch of kids. There are a lot of young children there. There were 31 in the camp. That was very touching to see how excited they were to receive the bags that we brought over. More importantly, the kids felt hope. That's what we were called to do. We were called to go and be there and bring hope to people, I guess, because that's what everybody expressed to us that we met. Everybody needs hope. Everybody needs a glimpse of something good to keep them going every day, I think. And that's something that I think we all need to learn, is to have hope, no matter what our circumstances are, uh, to always be praising God and, you know, keeping His promises in mind. So we also went over and met some National Guard troops, and uh, very gracious about giving their time to us and talking to us, but then we asked them if they would like to pray with us, and, and uh, every one of them responded. Uh, they put their hats off, they, uh, you know, I saw moisture in their eyes. These guys were just really touched by the fact that we wanted to pray with them, and, and uh, I, I could see that there was a reason for us to be there. When you get out of your comfort zone, and you share with people, 
it makes you grow a little bit. But I think it had helped me get more compassion, more caring for other people because we tend to take for granted the things that we have. Becoming a team member, the unity is what is what I took away from it, is what I gained. Um, being welcomed. Uh, it would be hard to minister if you weren't welcomed. And we were extremely welcomed and extremely blessed. And I believe we were a blessing. We were told so on, on numerous occasions. The young woman who was in charge said, you have brought us hope that there are people that cared. And I think that's the thing that touched me the most. And that was really when I got, I got the reason that we were there. Puerto Rico won't be a travel or tourism site. I see what the beautiful beaches, it will be the faces and the people that we met there. Without the generosity of this congregation, we could not have been able to, uh, to go to Puerto Rico. It wasn't just a group of 19 people going down there. It was, it was a whole church effort. So I'm grateful to be a part of the group that went. Um, but uh, also grateful for this church. It was an opportunity of a lifetime, and I will forever be changed and grateful for the experience. So thank you all. Thank you so much to this congregation who helped us show love and bring hope to the people of Puerto Rico. I really feel like I was a benefactor more than anybody there or here, and I thank you. Uh, I just want to give a great uh, thank you um, to the entire uh, congregation of South Suburban Christian Church uh, for making this possible, for allowing me to be a part of it. Oh. Missions is a big part of uh, my heart and my life, and uh, I was blessed. And uh, I thank each and every one of you that was on that trip and all those that supported it. And God bless you. I pray that you would uh, continue to support missions in the future. Thank you so much. As the elders come forward and we begin to prepare for communion, I'd like to ask those of you who are in the service this morning who went on the Puerto Rico trip, if you would just stand up for a moment. You'll notice that, that the majority are wearing these white t-shirts. These are the, some of the folks who went on the trip. And if you guys would remain standing for just a moment. Now listen, there's only so much that could be shared uh, just during the service. These guys have some amazing stories. So please, um, because they're identified, after the service, ask them to tell you about the trip because there's so much, that, uh, so much to share. Um, but as, the, as, we, as was said so well in the video, we didn't go alone. So if you prayed for the team during the week, would you please stand up? If you financially supported the trip in some way, if you, if you watch, stayed home and watched the kids, <laughs> um, if you filled in for a Sunday school class, if in any way you participated in the trip. Okay, now look around. This is the Puerto Rico team. 
Amen?